You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 141. For this edition of the podcast, I chatted with Montreal-based indie folk artist Alex Nickel. Alex released his debut solo album, All for Nada, back in March. The songs on the record are gorgeous and atmospheric with poetic lyrics that tell deeply personal stories. During our interview, we talked about some of the inspiration lyrically behind the songs on All For Nada, his unique creative relationship with his partner, the inspiration behind his cinematic music videos, and a whole lot more. We'll dive into the interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new songs, specially curated playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, I'm here with Alex Nickel. Great to have you on Look at My Records today. How are you doing? How's everything? You know, same old, same old. How are you? Good, good. Good to hear from you. How's uh, your summer going? Yeah, it's been it's been a rainy summer uh, around here. Uh, I'm not sure about you, but it's been uh, like really hot and then pretty pretty rainy sort of back and forth yeah pretty hot down here too as well a little little rain as well but it's actually raining right now as we speak oh yeah so it's uh, threatening here which is maybe why it is on my mind although i did read a funny stat the other day that uh canadians like to mention the weather more than almost any other nation (laughs) so there you go (laughs) well so 2020's been a crazy year you put out an album all for nada back in march it's awesome still listening to it a lot it's really soothing gets me relaxed for sure but in the interim how have you been spending your time have you been trying to write more again now that this album's behind you and you've found extra time at home have you been spending your time music wise over the last few months yeah it's been pretty uh pretty non-stop basically the short story is that by about april uh i realized that this you know covid pandemic w- is would probably be the reason why there won't be any touring for about a year i estimated a year roughly and so, and I think that was a pretty conservative estimate from what I've been hearing from other people, uh, at least at that time. So I just went right into uh, songwriting mode in about April and it, it went pretty well. I mean, I'm currently working on the next album, most likely gonna put something out next year. Actually tomorrow I'm, I'm going into the studio to record some drum ideas it's a very kind of um, experimental uh, idea here that, that my drummer had to just go into the studio without him having ever played the songs with me or with my band to just go 
and record in a pretty good studio his first impression ideas um, for this next batch of songs. So that's what we're doing tomorrow. At, and I guess that uh, summarizes my point that it's been pretty much nonstop since uh, since April, May, sort of working on song ideas. Uh, and yeah, it's it's been going well. I know uh, I know I was worried about just wanting to give up, but. Uh, that that hasn't happened. <laughs> That's good. And it's, you know, a really unique situation and it sounds like you're experimenting with a couple of different things yeah. as far as going into the studio and just having a drummer go for it type of thing with the songs that you wrote. Mm-hmm. Diving into this period and throwing yourself into songwriting at this level, have you ever done anything like that before and how would you characterize the stuff you're writing now oh well the stuff i'm writing now is it is laden with some kind of emotional resonance that is particular to this time i mean i've written a bunch of and not a lot of my music in the past have i felt such a an urgent connection to the present with Uh, yeah like a whole bunch of songs came out that were about civil rights issues, uh, uh, about climate change, about the sort of uh, the uh, issues with, uh, you know, this anti-fact uh, s- situation that, that that we find ourselves in with fake news and all this. I, I, I really channeled a lot of my subconscious feelings about and thoughts about a lot of these topics that all kind of came, came together around the same time. I mean, we were, uh, you know, there were the, like the the murder of uh, George Floyd and a few other instances just all sort of sparked this awareness in me that I had something to say about these things. So, which I obviously, this is all going to sound kind of vague now, but anyway, I just feel like I'm really digging deeper into the, the, uh, the earth of my, uh, you know, creative potential, which is nice because I, I never had this chance. As you point out, this is a very unique situation. I'm at home all the time. Um, you know, I just have a chance to breathe a bit more than usual. So cool. Yeah. Well, I definitely can't wait to hear the new stuff you're working on. So before we get into your new record, All for Nada, let's talk a little bit about your background. So you're from Ottawa originally, and you're in Montreal. You've been there for a while. What brought you to Montreal, and how did you get involved with the music scene there? Yeah, so I came to school here uh, when I was 19. I was just a student for a few years, uh, and then gradually got involved in the uh, DIY scene here um, and the music scene more generally. Um, And that was probably... Around the age of 22 to 23, I got more involved, and then I, you know, like finished my degree uh, at the age of 25. I I took a year off uh, actually and um, moved to Toronto uh, uh, for a year in that in that period. So at you know 25 years old, finished my degree, and I just got more involved in 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 the scene here, playing in shows, being involved in you know like putting on shows, and yeah. That's it, it all kind of happened naturally through through the friend circle that I was making, people that I met at school. Yeah, it's it's not something that I didn't intentionally decide, oh, I'm going to know uh, go now and get involved in this scene. It sort of blossomed out of meeting one person after another. And yeah, 
And you didn't really play music before you moved to Montreal, right? What inspired yeah. you to pick up a guitar in your 20s and to start writing music and stuff like that? Yeah, um, I think it was just having the courage to realize that that's what I wanted to do, you know? I I had, had jammed with my friends in high school and I, I, I often played music, but I didn't write songs. And I didn't take it seriously as a, something I wanted as an art form until, yeah, probably 24, 25. And yeah, I just partially it's something I've always wanted to do. Partially it's being with my friends that, I ha that I've had for all these years that made music too. And I think also just being inspired by, by the uh, artists that I got to see. Yeah, all, all that kind of came together and made me want to just keep on doing it. I don't know. I've never had... Uh, grandiose ambitions to try to make it within society. I've, I've not had that sort of classic, you know, uh, um, approach to development. Uh, I've always felt a little bit, uh, I guess, mostly like existentially speaking, very like life is so fleeting and you don't want to over plan because if you do, you'll be stuck planning your whole life and then realize that you're 65 and not have done the stuff you wanted to do. So, I think a lot of my approach to making music is just like, okay, do I still want to, like, I just wake up and I feel, do, is this something I still want to do today? Yes. Okay, I'll keep doing it. And that's honestly how it's been ever since I, you know, like started to write songs. Very cool. And your debut solo album, All For Nada, came out in March. You started writing and recording these songs while you were still in your previous band hone and you were in recording sessions with that band and it was kind of moving slowly so you shifted your focus uh, to working on your solo material was this something you had been working on while you were in hone on the side and then decided this is a good opportunity for me to pursue this material my solo material a little further or is it something that you started right then and there as this project is kind of not moving quickly enough for me and i'm gonna focus on writing my own stuff now the decision to make a solo album happened because the band that i was in uh, it wasn't going to be able to be ready to record at a studio for the dates that we booked. And so a few months before the date, I was just playing my guitar, my acoustic guitar, I think, on, on my bed or something. And Nada was like, you know, you should really take this chance to make a solo album. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't leave these dates. This is a good studio. This is a good opportunity. And I said, no, <laughs> I said, I'm not going to bother. And then... Uh, it took it took a little bit more time and i said okay well hold on let me call my brother <laughs> to see if he wants to help me because i know i can't do this on my own and i called oliver and i said oliver do you want to be involved in this i have these dates at this time at the studio we have this much time i have these ideas you know here's what i can and he said uh yeah sure i'm down so uh it was really it was a very spontaneous thing but it also it only happened because of specific things that were you know contingent like if if oliver had said oh, no i can't i can't come down and help you make this album then i would have i probably wouldn't have done it and of course if nada hadn't said alex you should make a solo album 
and I, you know, like finally I, I listened to her, then I definitely wouldn't have made a solo album. So it's really not, it's a very, it's a, it's a strange thing, man. I, I really, like, it just all sort of happened. Um, and uh, I, I am, that's, that's how it went. Yeah, and the record, All For Nada, is beautiful sounding. And it's interesting because I was checking out Hone, listening to your 2017 EP, uh, Modern Phase, and that sounds very different. It's more angular post-punk, and the songs on All For Nada are this kind of dense folk singer-songwriter type of music. And Mm -hmm. so was this a sound on that type of sound was that something you were always kind of interested in exploring outside of the type of post-punk you played in hone yeah yes um this is i feel the most comfortable making making the music that you hear on on alfernada it is definitely my own my own voice uh yeah it feels very it, it does feel like you know it's an album i should have tried to make when i began writing songs because uh I, uh, yeah, I'm super happy that it happened because as you point out, like it, it is quite different. And I, I always knew I had this folk rock sort of, uh, side to, to me. And, uh, yeah, I was very, very happy to articulate it. And, you know, I'm going to be developing that sound on the next albums. It's not like I'm going to go and make, uh, some other, you know, like different kind of genre, uh, album next. It's, uh, you know, they'll... I think for the for the close listener, or maybe not even for the close listener, it, it'll be it'll be uh, I, I I hope familiar, but also kind of unique to hear where I go next. Um, I'm gonna build off of this uh, acoustic guitar foundation. Um, yeah, and I'm super excited to hear it. And what I what I thought was cool, like I said, was how fleshed out the record sounds it's it's definitely more than just a straightforward guy with a guitar singing folk songs and i know Mm. you i think you had initially kind of recorded it as something more straightforward but then you revisited Mm -hmm. it and fleshed it out more to the kind of dense songs that appear on all for nada How'd that happen, and what was the in-studio process like for recording All For Nada? Oh, it was uh, was a really fun experience. Um, A little bit bit, uh, rushed. I mean, I didn't have that much money. Uh, Actually, it's a funny story how I came to afford it. I had about $1,000 or less to invest, and, and my grandfather was always somebody who had wanted to set his grandkids up with investing. And so this is probably 2015 and uh, yeah, sorry, this is a, a complete, <laughs> a complete deviation, but I, it'll, it'll, I'll, I'll get there. Um, and so I made a bunch of money essentially investing in this sort of no name marijuana manufacturing That's company. Great. Uh, yeah, I was completely surprised. And so when Nada was like, you should make this album and I had this date, I looked at my finances, which I should do more often anyway, and I noticed I had like some money. So I basically decided to put all of it into booking these days at the studio. So I knew I only could afford a few days. And so what that meant was that we had to try to do a lot in a very little time. And I really hate working that way. So it was rushed. And I think, you know, it 
certainly led to making decisions that when I took the album back home and listened, I was, I thought, okay, well, you know, there's a lot here we can use, but I'm going to take it in a bit more of a, as you say, I don't know, an atmospheric direction or, or, you know, something a bit more lush or, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it went from being conceived of as a live album to flipping on its head and becoming something more uh, tweaked at home, you could say. Um, which I think suits, you know, is what I should have thought of doing in the first place. Now that I know how how I work best, you know, it was a, definitely a learning experience. But uh, yeah. What, what type of stuff did you work on in the home studio as compared to when you went into a studio? Yeah, well, it was it was a lot of fun to record Eve on the violin uh, at the studio. She was really talented. Uh, we recorded the drums there and the bass and the guitar. And like I say, the, um, the strings. We also recorded a couple of uh, synth strings, like the synth that you hear on Two Times a Charm. That was completely spontaneous. That was... Uh, Oh, I forget the name now, but it's a very old synth that um, Howard had at the studio, and we just thought, yeah, this this will work. So we we, we tracked that there. But uh, uh, let me think. I, I re-recorded the vocals at home, and I re-recorded, uh, and I, I added a lot of atmospheric synths at home. Uh, and I also added some acoustic guitar in places uh, at home. So, yeah. Like a pretty, a pretty common approach, I think, in the end, you know, like record what you need to get at a studio, like drums, and uh, but then tweak it more at home. I obviously had the ambition to try to do everything all in one because I'm kind of like, I'm not, I'm not lazy, but I do want to, I, I like the idea of capturing the sort of impulsiveness. So I was hoping we could do that, but. Uh, you know, I'm much happier with how it sounds now than than when it was <laughs> when it when we had finished it uh, initially. Yeah, it's a beautiful sounding record. You know, congratulations again. It's really gorgeous. Thanks, man. And your partner Nada, who the the record mm-hmm. is named after, all for Nada. She plays a big role in your creative process, even though she's not a musician. You know, it's a really special type of collaboration. How do you incorporate her ideas regarding music and how important is her opinion to the finished product that you put out in the record? Well, she's basically like um, quality control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she plays the role of uh, a sort of mediation between me and the me, me and the music that I make. Because I'll often be like, oh, this is an amazing idea. This is perfect. And then she'd be like, uh, there's way too much of this thing or way too much of that thing. You know, I'll sit back and think about it. And usually I um, agree. And uh, it's not, you know, so, yeah, I've, I've, it's funny because in a, like, that is in a sense, the conventional role of a producer. Yeah. And I've obviously never worked with a producer. <laughs> Otherwise, I would know that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of what, what her role was for that album. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, her and... Um, and and Oliver, my my brother, but Nada is definitely the visionary behind a lot of the style and the music and the whole approach to it. I mean, it uh, it is 
inseparable from her 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 spirit really as a project that it wouldn't be this wouldn't be a project if she if she didn't essentially compel me to do it so yeah yeah that's really cool and it's cool that you have that creative relationship and that you really value and trust her opinion yeah. because it, it seems to have a, a big impact how did that start was it kind of just a natural thing since you're your partners and you value her advice in your relationship how did that kind of evolve into well i was always kind of uh you know i was always kind of uh unsure of my voice as a singer yeah i think and then uh because i lived with her for so long and uh we were often around each other she would hear me doodling around and singing and uh a little bit here and there and uh i guess yeah that was a side of my music that she hadn't heard before and so she she was you know she just acknowledged that i have this other voice in me as a musician that i wasn't even able to acknowledge in myself and over a few years you know of us both acknowledging that this was a thing uh yeah it just there would like there was the chance for it to materialize more i mean it, it's really that simple edge like i would be singing some some songs and I was really not a very confident singer. I'm still, I'm, I'm only, I still don't feel that confident and I don't think I ever will, but uh, it's really because of her, her positive feedback that I even wanted to write more songs, you know? So yeah, that's, uh, uh, that might not have been a very <laughs> concise answer, but. No, it's cool. It's, it's cool too. Cause I'm not a musician either. And I feel like sometimes as a lay person, you're able to hear things that maybe someone that wrote the song or someone that's more in tune music-wise can hear or focus on. So does she kind of help you at times focus on things maybe you'd you'd miss as the songwriter and as a musician? Yeah, I mean, I think the most crucial thing that she has contributed to my music is just to say, Alex, when you sing high and with more emotion, it sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> and I shied away from that, that higher range, because it's quite exhausting for me to sing higher. And I shied away from, in a sense, exposing myself that much. To her, those feelings, they don't, they don't hold her back. <laughs> they, they just hear something that's more beautiful than what I was doing before, you know? And for her to say, no, don't like do that thing more than that other thing is is all the sort of assurance that I needed, you know? And it's funny, like who, who, who are the people in your life that you'll listen to pretty much irrespective of their credentials? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, totally. I, I definitely think that we live in a sort of credential heavy society where, you know, if you've been to Harvard, then in physics, you must be like better at physics than somebody who got a PhD from some like smaller, state college or university and I, I i don't i don't think that that's true um every every single time so yeah it felt it you know think about it for yourself too like are there people in in your life that you would just that you know 20 people could be telling you the exact same thing but you won't listen to them because you don't really trust yeah. them to be that honest with you but when there's one other person and it, it can change because you know contextually things like 
you know, when that one person says the exact same thing as these other 20 people, that then only will you listen and change, you know? So sometimes it can, it can actually go the um, other way where somebody that you really love is like, you know, you should be doing this thing. And you're like, no, 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 no. But then when you get 20 other people telling you to do the same thing, then, then you start to think about it differently. Uh, obviously, it, you know, the world is highly complicated and taking advice from people can be really hard, but uh, not for me. I, 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 I don't have a problem taking uh, taking uh, feedback, you know? That's good. And I'm sure it helps through the songwriting and recording process to get a great end product for sure it's important to definitely listen to and incorporate feedback so that's cool and your Mm -hmm. voice i know you're mentioning your voice i think your voice is great and you're able to really convey emotion through it really well in the songs the really pairs well with the lyrics uh your lyrics are really beautiful and well written warm and nostalgic also very reflective uh two songs that stand out uh to me with respect to that uh and i wonder and bridge mm-hmm. back to me uh, reflecting mm-hmm. on youth um family lines reflecting but it seems like it's kind of confronting some memories that are a little harder to to process um so i was just curious about your process for writing lyrics because i think they're really strong on the record uh, what was your process like for writing lyrics and What's it like confronting some of those more personal experiences through uh, songwriting? You know, take take that feeling that you have that you can recall when you write something of your thoughts down, and that uh, and you feel a release or you feel a therapeutic sense of uh, expanded knowledge or sense of comfort in who you are or what you're thinking. You know. Yeah, and just expand that a little bit across, I don't know, 30 minutes of writing down little uh, ideas. And that's that's really how it felt. And that's really how it, what my process was. It was it's very much uh, uh, how do I express myself in as clearly a way as possible, in a way that works with this music, and in a way that is true to what I'm feeling. And uh, so, yeah, that's... That's really what the process is, and then I would just edit and revise as I as I see fit. Trust, for example, used to be a much more wordy song. Sorry, no, trust was a far less wordy song in the chorus. But I had written everything out, and then I just didn't have a chorus, and so then I and I realized I had to add something to it. So yeah, it's just, it's just a sort of interaction with those thoughts or ideas that you put down on paper you know coming back to it and thinking okay is this is this how i really want to feel or is this how i actually felt and if so does it work with the music and if it does great check check but yeah you know that feeling of just having the courage and the energy to sit down and write something that you've been thinking about takes a lot of energy i get really really tired from you know just writing a little bit so it's it's not like I did a whole bunch of different drafts. It's like okay, how much can I get out? <laughs> yeah, and then totally that's what it is. <laughs> and, and listening to some of these songs, you know, they're really powerful. Even just recalling "Bridge Back to Me," what sounds like just a childhood memory of 
smashing rocks and stuff. Sometimes, you know, I think we're around the same age, the late 20s, early 30s, where you think back to growing up and stuff, and even simple moments are emotional, totally. So mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you definitely felt something getting that out. Yeah, and I definitely tried with this album to create paint a picture is kind of the wrong language, but I wanted to create, I wanted to use my words to operate essentially like a fiction writer and set, set a narrative or build some kind of environment where there was enough visual cue for the listener to orient themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. I could totally listening to the songs really picture something for each song. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. So then I, if I (laughs) succeeded in part in that, then that's, yeah, that's, that's uh, amazing. Wow. Thanks. I'm going to, I'm going to use that in my next, uh, press, uh, press release. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad I could help you with that, but I I absolutely agree. That he he sees things (laughs) when he listens. (laughs) Because when, uh, so, so when did you have experience writing these types of poetic narrative driven lyrics with previous projects or is this something that you really just started doing with this first solo record yeah it's uh no i i I was in a band called curvy tash uh when i was younger it was my my first kind of band that i was a songwriter in and we were like a we were like a three-piece kind of psychedelic pop band uh guitar bass and drums and i i wrote lyrically i wrote somewhat similar to to the, uh all for nada at, at that time I, I didn't spend like many years writing a bunch of songs to only get to this point i'm just i'm essentially channeling whatever it is is inside of me into musical form and that's kind of how i've i've, I've always been so I, I look to writers for uh, inspiration more than musicians often. And I, I kind of always have. I mean, like Oscar Wilde, is, he's just incredible. You know, there's these writers that I've always really liked that, or, you know, like Morrissey is, is like a sort of a good example of a, of a, of a lyricist who's informed by literature. Yeah. There's, a, there's lots of them, obviously. But when, when I was younger, I basically found the Smiths and I was like, hey, wait, this is a thing that can exist. People that like books can also write lyrics that are kind of like stories in like a whimsical uh, kind of like fictional, but ultimately rooted in reality sort of mood. And uh, yeah, that's really what kind of spurred me on. So yeah, I've always wanted to write the way that I do and I, I didn't have to work hard for it. I mean, it's, it's hard to write songs emotionally, but um, I'm not posturing at all with this style and i didn't have to work really hard to get the style which sounds like pretentious but uh, i don't know that's that's just how it is for me and i really like the two videos that you put out for uh songs on the record tell me about trust i really like the concept of the lyrics and how the lyrics mirror the the video because the video sees you around different parts of Mm -hmm. Montreal with uh, laundry hanging out to dry. Tell me a little bit about the concept, uh, what what you were trying to capture with that in relation to the song and its lyrics. So the song, I put my trust in the washing today out on the line. Uh, You know, it's about, uh, ostensibly it's just about 
trying to do laundry in like the cheapest, most ecological way possible. But then there's this deeper layer to the lyrics, apparently, that my that my friend uh, takes to uh, thinks of the song uh, in terms of, uh, which is to say, when you do your laundry outside, you are essentially airing your dirty laundry to the world, or you are convinced, you know, you're exposing your some element of yourself that is uncomfortable or you'd rather keep private. And in doing that act, it's a, it's, it's an act of trust between you and whoever you're showing yourself to. <laughs> um, uh, so the video is kind of about that, you know, it's about airing your dirty laundry across town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. I really like how it came out. Uh, great, great video. And the video for two times uh, a charm, also really good really kind of a retro vibe lots of shots in nature and things like that tell me a little bit about shooting that video and how the concept came together for the video that we made for two times a charm the director uh alex seltzer uh nada and i went up to my grandma's cottage with with a plan to shoot this video over two nights and three days on 16 millimeter film with a very limited stock or supply. There was not much film. We could only shoot, I think we only shot 16 minutes total. So we knew we had to be quite efficient. And luckily we are, we, 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 we knew already how we wanted to interpret the, the song. So yeah. It's, yeah. So it, it's, basically just about a guy who lives out in the woods who is having a hard time accepting certain thoughts or, you know, it could just be opinions about something. Um, and, uh, so, so, so the video narrates him trying to get rid of these ideas, trying to expel them from his, his being, but ultimately finding it to be a, a futile experiment, uh, Every time that that he goes out in the woods to bury his ideas, which in the video are symbolized, I guess, in the form of this uh, this this blue this glowing blue box, he he finds upon returning to his house that the object that he had buried or thrown in the lake or tried to burn returns, uh, and so he really can't get rid of. So, like you know there's uh, certain ideas that are clinging on to him that he doesn't that he really doesn't want anymore and so it ends with him essentially having to accept that these ideas are a part of him and that he has to try to incorporate you know try to reconcile himself to those ideas rather than try to reject them um and that's that's kind of what the song lyrically is about but uh yeah all, all that stuff is, is cool. you know, that's one layer symbolically that you can look at, you can think about, but it's also, it, it just is a nice video to look at, um, which is kind of why I, I like to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very nice, both videos are yeah. very nice to look at. Yeah, no, they, they, they each did quite incredible jobs. All right, so let's play some songs from your new record, All For Nada everyone we're gonna hear four songs in this next set we'll be listening to two times a charm and i wonder levitate 
and trust, and then we'll be back. Two times a charm But still swimming
crush as many little pebbles as I could lay my hands on into dust and powder to rub across the parchment paper. Yeah.
i
We heard four songs from my guest Alex Nichols' new album, All For Nada. We heard Two Times a Charm, And I Wonder, Levitate, and Trust. Everyone, I know you love those songs. Get your hands on the record at Alex Nichol, A-L-E-X-N-I-C-O-L, dot bandcamp.com. It's also available on all streaming platforms now. We're transitioning to the second part of the show where Alex picked some records from my record collection, and we're going to play them. So we'll start with U.S. Girls Half Free. Awesome album. I'm a big fan. I love their new album that came out this year as well. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really like this album because it's... Uh, it's kind of hard to listen to. Um, and, uh, I mean that in the best way possible. It's, it's like, uh, you know, a really technical, fast bebop jazz, uh, song or something where you, where you really can't, you, like you really can't afford to not listen really closely because otherwise you're going to miss something incredible. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I listen to it when I want to be I want to be inspired to create something something you know gratifying really I, I think is what I 
what I would say, something musically where not everything is going to be pretty, but you don't want it to be. <laughs> and, you know, you want to... Uh, so, yeah, I... I certainly look to that album uh, time and again when I when I want to remember that you know like the point isn't always to make something sound really clean and beautiful and sparse or you know what I mean like there's this whole whole other level yeah. to expression going on in, uh, in this album that doesn't even have to do with the voice it has to do with this with the energy the propulsion of the arrangement all the elements that are at play with from one song to another i mean it it's an exhausting listen in a really good way like it it it, it should totally be looked at in like you know academic terms Ian, uh because uh there's a lot to learn from it yeah and do you have a favorite song or any song you'd like to highlight from it not particularly i think you can you can pick any song and it'll be like pfft. awesome let's do new age thriller love that song Next, Neil Young after the Gold Rush, one of my no favorite records of all time. A record that my par- my parents also really like. I was introduced at a young age to it. Oh, cool! I want to hear about that. So. Well, it, perhaps he, you know you should take over this uh, this uh, section of the interview. <laughs> so, Tom, well, tell me about how I. I remember my. I remember my. <laughs> I remember my parents playing this record. Uh, Tell me why, especially, and and them dancing to it, and then also being really enamored with, you know, this the uh, the song where he talks about UFOs and shit, being really blown away by how fascinating his voice was to me too. He has like this weird, off kilter voice that is different sounding but also kind of very was always very pleasing sounding to me so you know kind of like similar to to bob dylan in its own way and i always really like musicians like that with their own unique voice that still sounds good but very different so Mm -hmm. i've always been a big neil young fan and I remember being introduced Aww. to this record at a young age. And so what, what's your relationship with Neil Young's music uh, more broadly? Or is this album in particular, there, are, are there other things that really, like, I don't know, define his, his work for you? Uh, so it's interesting. During the quarantine, I really got into On the Beach, which may be my favorite record by him now i was so into it and i immediately it was like my first quarantine discogs purchase because i didn't have a copy of it on vinyl and that that came not too far long after after the gold rush i'm not sure if it's immediately after or two records after but it's a really great record i always loved his neil young stuff with uh Mm-hmm. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and Buffalo Springfield. Nice. I'm a, also a huge, huge fan of all mm-hmm. of the bands that came out of uh, Los Angeles in the '60s. Such a unique, creative time for, and a you know, crazy time in the world too. Such a unique moment in time to be a musician and be a part of something like that. I'm always interested in these really these periods these scenes and stuff even 
you know, punk in L.A. in the 80s, which is like 15 years after all of that. Things like that are really interesting to me and the, the moments that inspired the music that came out of certain places. So Neil Young has really played a big part in that. And so... Yeah, no, I, I think he, he definitely was plugged into the zeitgeist. Uh, well, because at that time, just being a kind of hippie person was was a political statement uh, of like extraordinary yeah. uh, divergence, you know? And... I, I recall watching an interview with uh, Na uh, Nash or one of the guys, I think it was Stills, and he, and he was like, yeah, we were like often arrested or stopped by police just because we had yeah. shaggy hair, you know? It, very radical yeah. stuff, you know? It was. It was a statement in and of itself. You're right, yeah. But uh, yeah, cool. So you, so you have a like a pretty long relationship with his music and with, with that folk, I guess, tradition, specifically like uh, psychedelic yeah, folk or definitely. yeah. Yeah. That, that's powerful stuff. I, I also like uh, on the beach. That was actually, I was going to choose that album uh, f for this talk um, at first, because that's an outlier album for him. I don't think a lot of people talk about it. I mean, it's, it's it's not harvest right and that's pretty much the only thing that people know about neil young i find yeah so uh yeah there's some really powerful songs on that on that uh yeah on the beach but we are talking about after the gold rush and that's a great album i as well did you know or have you seen the film that it's kind of inspired by no i haven't yeah i haven't either but i do intend to to look it up because uh yeah i'm curious to know more and then last, well, second to last song, Gil Scott Heron and Brian Jackson, The First Minute of a New Day. Yeah. Yeah, this is another uh, album that I noticed in your collection that I thought, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have to say, you, you have a lot of um, albums. Like, I, I could have easily, you know, picked 20 to 30 to, to talk about, but um i picked this one because um i really like the production and i really like the this gil scott heron's style i think he's uh, as a lyricist i think he's incredibly unique uh certainly for the time so yeah to, to me it was just like an obvious choice when i saw it so kudos to you for having that in, in your in your collection i don't have much vinyl but uh if i did i would like to have some of his uh, albums so yeah where'd you yeah. find that one it was belonged to my uncle i believe my late uncle yeah, oh it's a nice record yeah 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 it's cool and then last corridor fellow montreal artists their mm -hmm. 2017 album super mercado which i love I actually have interviewed them on this podcast, too, last year, right around the time Junior came out. So they were cool. It was really fun to chat and meet them in New nice. York. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, they're they're just uh, also just another unique sounding band. I think <clears throat> Junior is probably a little... A little more um, conventional 
than Super Mercado, excuse me, um, which for me is a pretty interesting album. There's a lot of movement. It's quite it's quite angular, um, and uh, I just really like it. You know. Yeah, very lush too, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, they uh, hopefully will be playing some more shows soon. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. All right, so now we're going to play the records that Alex selected, starting with New Age Thriller by U.S. Girls off of their album Half Free. After the Gold Rush, the title track from Neil Young's album After the Gold Rush. Beginnings, the first minute of a new day by Gil Scott Heron and Brian Jackson off of their album From South Africa to South Carolina. And then Coupe Depe by Corridor off of their 2017 banger Supermercado. We'll be back.
dreamed I saw the knights in armor come and saying something about a queen. There were peasants singing and drummers drumming and the archers split the tree. There was a fanfare blowing to the sun that was floating on the breeze. Look at Mother Nature on the run in the 1970s. Look at Mother Nature on the run in the 1970s. I was lying in a burned out basement with the full moon in my eyes. I was hoping for replacement when the sun burst through the sky. There was a band playing in my head and I felt like getting high. I was thinking about what a friend had said. I was hoping it was a lie. Thinking about what a friend had said. I was hoping it was a lie.
Ah 
We just heard Alex's picks from our record collection. We heard New Age Thriller by U.S. Girls off of their 2015 album, Half Free. We heard After the Gold Rush title track by Neil Young off of his 1970 album, After the Gold Rush. Beginnings, the first minute of a new day by Gil Scott Heron and Brian Jackson 
off of from South Africa to South Carolina and Coupe de Pay by Corridor off of their album Supermercado. All right, sadly, we're coming to the end of the show, but we're going to play one more song before this episode comes to a close. We're going to play Mirage because you have a a video project you're working on. So tell tell me a little bit about um, Mirage and what video you're currently working on and when when it's coming out. Yeah, so we're work- I've been working on a video with a local videographer here that um, takes the idea of experiencing a mirage or being presented a mirage and uh, plays with it in an artistic way using uh, multimedia uh, effects of a few different types. Um, it get the, the video itself is uh, verging on uh, augmented reality, you could say, or like a, a sort of artful take on uh, VR. But I, sh- I shouldn't say more because then I'll be spoiling it. Um, uh, so yeah, th- we've been interpreting what what a live show could look like as well in the time of uh, you know pandemic um, isolationism through this video so there, there's really like a lot packed into it and um i'm excited for it to be to be ready to go out um yeah it should should be another month or two but uh you know it'll be a nice way for me and this uh videographer to kind of express ourselves when we couldn't do what what we wanted to be doing which is you know performing uh that my Collaborator George does light uh, light show uh, light shows light uh, interactive like visual elements for large uh, shows usually when there, when there's no pandemic that that's what he would do he would collaborate with uh, uh, artists coming through and uh, put together uh, visual components to uh, you know to go with their live show. Um, so he's really been out of, out of work. Um, and, uh, I've not been able to tour. So we, we just kind of got together and like decided to do something. Cool. Very exciting. Can't wait to see it. Everyone. We're going to close the show with Mirage from Alex's new album, all for nada. If you want to check it out, it's available on all streaming platforms. And you could also go to Alex Nickel, A-L-E-X-N-I-C-O-L.bandcamp.com to get it via digital download. Highly encourage everyone to do that. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to speak with me. It was awesome. And you'll be on tour next year with House of Love. No, it's a long time from now, but everyone... Listening from Jersey City, New York City, you'll be at White Eagle Hall in May yes, 2021. Definitely. So we'll, we'll see everyone there. I know you'll be there with me and Alex having a good time. First round's on me, anyone who comes. Oh, and one final thing. This is some good news. Alex will actually be playing a real show. At first, I thought this was 
a live stream event as part of Pop Montreal, but it's not. It's a real show on September 24th at Lake Clubhouse Pop in Montreal. Doors are at 1.15 and Alex will be performing at 1.30. Five Canadian dollars to get in. Unfortunately, everyone in the United States were not allowed in Canada, so you can't go. But you can imagine how much fun it would be. So everyone in Canada, make sure you go see Alex on September 24th at Lake Clubhouse Pop. He's on at 1.30 in the afternoon. More information, check out popmontreal.com. Follow Alex on Instagram and like him on Facebook. And this is Mirage to end the show. It's summer.